I I absolutely love him. I think is one of the some of the best memories being in college and watching the Chappelle show with friends, right? That's how he was discovered a lot of his material. Um, That's crazy. You were in college and I was in like middle school. Yeah, man. We have, you and I, it's really neat for our listeners and even me as we sit and talk about things, the different generational impacts that we've gone through, like years that we've been alive, times we've been alive. It gives such a nice perspective, you know, on just different things that come up. So when I think of Chappelle show, it's automatically like I'm thinking the ones that are burned into my memories is his early work. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, it's it's the same. Well, I don't know. I've gotten more into comedy as I've gotten older. So what comes to mind more immediately, honestly, is I would say more of his first three specials. But it's kind of different because, you know, like the Chappelle show is on Netflix now. And I've went back and watched it a good bit of it again. And I feel like that comedy is more juvenile than what he's doing now. So that stuff sits in my brain from a juvenile perspective because like I said I was in like middle school and it's like that came on with South Park like all Mm. those things that I was just like oh I shouldn't be watching this but I am and it's hilarious a bit of forbidden fruit yeah um yeah I don't I haven't watched any of the Chappelle shows on Netflix do they have all of their bits is it are they original or there's some edited out because I'm telling you man it's 2021 and you couldn't imagine doing that stuff now, but back then when he released some of those bits, like, oh, the black guy that was in the clan. <laughs> That's a classic. Bro, one. how? What's his name again? Oh, Is it Clayton Bigsby? Boom. Yeah. Clayton Bigsby. <laughs> that one is so good. There's just a handful of those gems that I don't know if you could, like, release those in this day and age so that's the level of innovation i have like burned into my brain with dave Chappelle. yeah that's fair um i i'm pretty sure they're all on because what there's only two or three seasons um i think there's three you know i i honestly right in front of us i'm not sure what it is but i'm pretty sure it's three as well um yeah man i mean the thing is is like I know I've watched that Clayton Bigsby clip on YouTube. If it's on YouTube, it's definitely on Netflix. Like, I don't see... I don't see why they would bring it back without cutting it. And it's like... Netflix has actually defended Dave for his most recent special. So if if they're doing that, where, like, transgender and LGBTQ stuff is a prominent topic in today's day and age, I don't think that they would cut something that's you know already been out for 10 plus years and not that racism isn't still at the forefront of of uh issues in this country and this time but i feel like it's a little bit more tolerable yeah i gotta watch how i say that but you you know what i mean i i do in the age of the internet it's (coughs) excuse me i think people understand a joke more if that makes sense like but at that time, dropping it, man, it was just unheard of. Like, that was... Definitely. Oh, my word. And I just feel watching the last one that he's doing with Netflix, as we were talking a bit before going live, or recording, was 
just didn't feel it. I, I feel like it was equivalent to watching Jordan play for the Wizards. That you want to be there, everyone wants to go see it. And every once in a while, he'll get the ball in his hand and he'll get in an isolation situation and just, you'll see it. You'll see that glimpse. But he's not like Jordan of 98, where like running the court, playing defense, you're not seeing him in his prime. Now, I only say that because the context is important. This is his last one on Netflix. During the pandemic, he did a show from his home in Ohio. What's stopping that man from doing independent shows? Why does Netflix need a piece of that? There's probably a line of producers a mile long dying to work with him and to be able to shoot an experience like that. Why give Netflix a cut of that anymore? Say, then, then you can really say whatever you want to say. Not yeah. that I think Dave would water his act down, but I feel like, you know what, I'm tired of, this sh- I'm tired of fighting this battle with them probably get it, giving me a lot of heat from Netflix of like, hey, you really probably should stay away from this stuff. They are a progressive company. They are in the forefront of those ethical decisions by companies. Mm -hmm. It's no longer like we don't care. So good for them, but for a true comedian and a great, the greatest of all time, he needs those shackles off. Well, it's interesting. I actually didn't think about this until... (laughs) Until... uh... (laughs) Bro. Interesting character just walked by the studio. I didn't think about this until like, you know, we just started rolling. But um, yeah, Louis C.K. is actually a great example of that. I think Louis C.K. is easily like in one of the top five. He's one of the greats. And with everything that's happened to him, he's never stopped. He's still been releasing and doing specials just through his website. So I don't know how, you know, the business end works, but I would imagine he's making all that profit because he, he's not dealing with any middleman. So if someone like him, who has actually been arguably blackballed, Dave could easily do it. Right. Dave's not ice skating uphill. Dave has some... <coughs> I'm sorry, man. Some of... Uh, there's populations that have big problems with Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. But Dave Chappelle's never jerked off in front of an unwilling participant (laughs) in a sexually assaulted women. So like if people are still showing up for Louis CK, people will be fucking forming lines. I don't know the level of cable internet that would be needed for something like that. But Louis, listen, I, those things were said about Louis and those accusations and stuff are pretty dark. Um, but he changed the game. Louis C.K. was the first person to say, screw the middleman, essentially taking that Floyd Mayweather approach of like, I'm going to be, I'm doing it right here. You give me $5, I don't have to give anyone a cut. We're good. He sold like one of his specials online for the first time, and a shitload of comedians hit thereafter were like, oh, that's not necessary anymore. Yeah, it's like 10 bucks. And like, you know, a million people, which I'm sure he got close to that. Oh, yeah. 10 mil right there. And the thing is, my man, you leave that up and then charge seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, yeah, as it ages. I, I, and then eventually you're going to have five up there. And maybe the, the first one that you ever release is now $5, but the newest one's 10 and the rest are in between. And someone like, I don't know, one of our children discovers Louis C.K. and they want to buy all of them. It's. 
I, th- that's what I mean. I, I just think Louis changed the game. What with those accusations, I think are you know are dark, and but he was innovative in the way that he eliminated a step in the platform. He's yeah. much more accessible. And someone like Dave Chappelle, like why should Netflix be getting a cut and being able to chirp in his ear? Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I think there was a time, you know, where it was needed. And, you know, he, he gave them a lot of credit, even in specials, saying how Netflix was the only place that when he expressed sincerely disliking the fact that they used the Chappelle show without him um, signing off on it, they took it down. So, you know, I think I think there was a time where it, it had to go, be that route. And now he's grown beyond it. This is a little bit off topic, but I don't know. Bringing up Louie made me think of it. Do you know what's going on with Chris D'Elia? Like, you know, since he had his whole since allegations he, he, he thing? Went, he went off the grid for a long time. I, saw, I watched his, um, like, not welcome back video, but I watched his first video back when we talked about some of the allegations. I didn't even know he had a video back. Yeah, why? What were your thoughts, or what are you feeling? Literally just, like, a week or two ago, he just, like, popped into my head, and I remembered that, you know, that was going on, and I just, I just wondered. I didn't really dive down any rabbit holes. So, like... Okay, well, you can share. Like, what do you, what did you hear recently? Because maybe it's it's much newer than the info. That oh I no, have. I didn't hear anything. Oh, I just, just literally kind of stumbled thought, across. I, I think what it was was like I think I watched an episode of Tiger Belly, which I haven't watched in a long time. And you know, um, I'm blanking out of his name who does Tiger Belly, but he's good friends with Chris, and so it just I made that connection. Mm, yeah, Chris D'Elia, It was you can YouTube the video where. Chris learns that people can screenshot your Snapchats. I saw that. Yes. <laughs> if you, there's certain instances where there's everything is dropped in somebody. And if their soul, if you can see it right there, leave their body. Google Chris D'Elia's reaction to screenshot Snapchats and watch that video. Um, what a scumbag. What a fucking scumbag. Um, the accusations and pretty much a, a trove of them came forward of underage girls and him trying to use whatever fucking limited clout some mid-tier comedian has to uh, get over on underage girls. Um, while he has a very attractive fiance at the time at home with kids. Um, I just, yeah, that dude's a fucking scumbag. I hope he... That's that's what I know, and I hope that he's gotten some help because the stuff that he was saying and doing was, like, just uber gross because you know at a certain age, you're looking around at 25, 28, 29-year-old guys at a bar that's college age, and you're like, get the fuck out of here. I know what you're doing, pal. Get out of here. You so yeah, you're so that weird le- guy. Yeah, so let's stop and take that to an even another level as a celebrity of Chris D'Elia doing that shit with young impressionable girls. Like yeah. you're a fucking predator, bro. You could pay whatever top-notch working like any girl you the whatever a sex like professional sex worker whatever make an agreement do that but you're fucking preying on underage girls with whatever like clout you think you have i think that shows a very big detriment in someone's psyche and predatorial 
And in his welcome back video or the first one he posted after he went dark for a while, he talked about getting help. I hope he gets it. So he admitted to it then. Um, listen, uh, I tell you what, man, I didn't think we were talking about Chris D'Elia today. So I can't, I don't, it's been a minute since that one came out. Um, like, yeah, I, sorry. It just popped into my head and I figured I'd ask. He, uh, I don't, that's what I mean. It's been so long since I watched, I can't say for sure that he admitted it. He said that obviously he needed some help. Like there was enough accusations out there enough just straight up screenshots of like, here's his um, verified Instagram account DMing me. Like, there's no, there was no wiggle room. It was, he was definitely communicating with underage girls. Now, if he met up with them and everything else, I don't know the intricacies of what panned out there, but it was enough smoke to know that there was fire there. Um, so that's what I mean. If someone is, goes down a dark path and they realize it and they, they get the help, I think it's possible to change, and I hope he has, because reading over, like, some of that stuff was like, Jesus Christ, bro. The fuck's wrong with you? Like, Yeah, definitely. Um, but to bring it back around, man, I think Chappelle could just sit, cut Netflix out, keep all that bread. He lives modestly in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Like, the dude's living it, man. He can show up anywhere, get a spot. Like, Yeah. How do you actually feel about the jokes in question that he made on the special all right man here's the thing i think all we can say all words or we can say no words some of those words are uh, gonna hurt my feelings yeah others are gonna hurt others feelings i think we can empathize with that but we can also need to put it in context that this is comedy if you don't like this type of comedy i'm not gonna go see it i'm not gonna consume it yeah I don't like, I don't know, I like a lot of food, man. That was going to be a tough pull for me to be. Let's <laughs> I don't like country music, so I don't go to the concerts. I don't listen to the country radio station. Because you know what? Here, here's what it is. Here's one that like, I like listening to Dave more than I like looking for funnies in his stand-up. Because he talked about some woman pretty much like, <sighs> yeah, Christ. Friend. Like, no, following him around in the mall. And then out towards his car. And she was like, oh, you're Dave Chappelle. You hate da-da-da. And he was like, ma'am, have you gone to my show? Have, <coughs> have you bought my pay-per-views? And she was like, no, no. <coughs> did, I force my, did I follow you to your car and make you listen to my act? No. Well, then get the fuck on, ma'am. Like, <laughs> oh, I could just imagine him saying all that. But it's the like... If you know something's not your thing. <coughs> Get some water, man. I know. Jesus Christ. I'm hot coming in with Chappelle. I, uh, I just thought it was. Yeah, I could see how they'd be offensive. I absolutely can. No, but, yeah, it's, it's very easy to see. Um, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, if it's not your cup of tea, don't drink it. Um, it's really not that like that's the whole freedom of choice thing like, you know it, it sucks to say because you said say all words or say no words it's like in this country it's like you know it may not be right but you're allowed to be racist even you know you're allowed to like to, to be certain ways and like if you can go that extreme not saying anyone should then you can also speak your piece in comedy, like about groups of people, shapes, sizes, whatever. 
you know what's a real nice perspective between you and I is the integration of social media for the people in our age band. What do you mean? In our society now, social media for my age band of people, mm-hmm. you can't imagine the level of racist shit that I've seen them put out where I'm like, I can't be friends with you anymore. I've seen that through my parents, not them doing it. <laughs> I know. I understand. But if we could put grammar in there somewhere. Like yeah. <laughs> well, no, like especially um, when like during the Trump presidency, yeah. you know, my parents would just be like, yeah, like you really got to see how people like think and feel. You know, you learn yeah. that like such and such is actually like a closet racist. Yeah. That's when like I think it's real. And here's the thing that's going to hurt, man. I, was ta- I had a really good conversation with someone the other day, and uh, I just think we had we got to it, and it was like, you know what, it's, it's almost a blessing because sometimes you need cut to, like, understand, like, oh, shit, that's still there. Um, it's a blessing to allow those people to voice their ignorance so you can eliminate them from the fold intellectually. Or just know that, like, oh, that's a perspective you're bringing to the table. A blessing and a curse. Um, so that's what I mean. But they're allowed to say those words. It's on yeah. us. Then what we decide to do with that. I can absolutely empathize with riling people up. But I, I think when you're in the arena of telling jokes, you're making the choice to consume that knowing that this motherfucker talks about this. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it's beyond telling jokes, too. I think it's when you're in the field of, like, oration, you know, being, like, an orator of any form, whether it's poetry, music, comedy, books. That's the whole point of, you know, fuck, I mean, dating back to, like, BC and, like, an AD times of having, like, a scribe of someone who writes down what happens. And ultimately... You know, he's just speaking on what's happening. Yeah, man. I uh, With his opinion, of course. And opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. Yeah, they. I, I think it's just... I, I didn't think it was Dave's strongest work. I think it was more in a intellectual middle finger to Netflix. I'm out of here. I'm I'm completing this obligation. He he opens up by saying, "This is the last one I'm going to do for a few years. You guys aren't going to hear from me." Yeah. Um. And I think that's true. And I think the next one he does is in an independent setting, where you can go online and buy online tickets for nineteen dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, people spend whatever the amount is for UFCs, right? Eighty dollars. It's eighty dollars for a UFC event. I expect that. I'll pay twenty nine to watch Dave Chappelle. Oh, I definitely. I mean, I would pay eighty to watch Dave Chappelle. That's what I mean, man. Like, that's what I mean. That's such an easy sell. Like, throw it up on the big screen. Again, another kind of like not in the plan today. But did you see? There's obviously with like the Jake Paul fights and all. There's a lot more pressure and focus on fighter pay. Did you see uh, Francis Ngannou's tweets? Tell me about him. He was like, you know, I don't think that I should uh, still be having to borrow money to pay for my training, my UFC camps. You're definitely going to see me in the boxing ring. Dave, no, has face palm right now. Uh, No, man. What do you think? 
don't share with me your thoughts and then I'll well I th- honestly at, out of like most of the comments that I hear on fighter pay I do think that that was one of the best ones because I think that's very true I think I feel this for most fighters but especially the champion of the world you're borrowing money to pay for your camp when this is like this is your job I I, I understand what you're saying I'm gonna open up a quick Google window here and okay. see how much Francis Ngannou's last purse was. Um, the thing with Francis Ngannou is he's he's not a good negotiator. He's negotiating in the front of the uh, curtain. That's not how you do it with the UFC. That's just just hasn't been historically gone well for any any fighter. It doesn't matter yeah. who you are. They'll sit you. Like that's the biggest stage, and you don't get paid unless you fight. Yeah. Um, recent recent pay. We'll Google here, but I think Francis is making a big mistake. I, I going to boxing. I do too. But um, so his last one, he's made his base salary without pay per view points a hundred thousand. A hundred thousand when he fought Stipe, five hundred thousand. So <coughs> seven hundred almost a million dollars. Seven hundred thousand dollars without pay per view points included in that. On the back end, champions make pay per view points. So every pay per view after a certain level of sold, you get a taste. So if you go out and you promote the hell of the fight as a main event and you knew a million pay-per-view buys, and you're contractually able to get 3.75 per sale on a million, and now you have 4 million in addition to that base salary. Yeah. Motherfuckers paid. You're negotiating because you saw what Jake Paul makes. That's the truth. No one in the boxing world could pronounce Francis Ngannou. He's in the MMA because the UFC has promoted the hell out of him. And he's done a great job in the ring. Outside of the ring, not so good. Because this is like habitual with this dude. Fair enough. I mean, I, I wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, I mean, I think he's a good fighter. But he's not the most technical person. So I don't. I wouldn't think it would be too great of a show for him in boxing. But who knows? I mean, originally, I did listen to his Rogan, which was just fascinating oh, to hear about the struggle story. he went through. Yeah, dude. And I mean, that is initially what he wanted to do, so. I, I think, it, well, it, here's the, all right, man. I'm really big on smoking mirrors and busting up mirrors and blowing away the smoke. <laughs> Francis Ngannou's under UFC contract. Mm-hmm. He's not boxing anybody unless the UFC signs off on it. That's just the way it is. So he can go out there and talk about it as much as he wants to. He'll never step in a boxing ring until he's not under contract. Yeah. And it's just, that's, that's what it comes down to. That's why it's a negotiation tactic because now they're trying to set up, who won? Cyril gone in that interim heavyweight fight? I don't know. Well, they're trying to set up Francis and whoever won for the interim title fight. Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon. Cyril Gaon beat Derek Lewis. So they're trying to set that up now. And all of a sudden, Francis starts tweeting about boxing. 
he also tweeted after uh, Jake Paul's fight and how it was fair for him to make, how can Jake Paul make $30 million? I've been doing this forever. He doesn't understand how that game works. He understands yeah. how to put people's heads into the ninth row. He understands how to not anti-wrestle. He understands that shit. But when it comes to the game, he doesn't. He has zero idea what he's doing. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's an entirely different skill. Like you said, knocking someone's head into the ninth row is one. I can't do that. No. No. I, I, and that's where it's like, we're not claiming to. Whereas Francis is claiming that, like, in his head, he's doing good negotiations. <laughs> You're not, dude. Like, put your cell phone down. Let the lawyers handle that. They know the numbers. Like, let the professionals do that. That's why you pay them a decent cut. Like, because yeah. he was offered Derek Lewis, the Derek Lewis fight three times. And, like, one step above the fighters, the UFC has to put on a certain amount of title fights per month, per card. They're contractually obligated through their deal with ESPN. ESPN doesn't want any ham and eggers. They want title fights. Mm-hmm. And Francis turned down Derek Lewis three times. So the UFC was like, okay, cool. We're moving on with an interim. So it's not like he hasn't been offered fights. Or to like, he could have made a huge payday fighting Derek Lewis. But Francis Ngannou wanted to hold out and thought he was going to fight John Jones. He made a mistake. But now he's really going to eat shit if he thinks he's going to box before he steps in the octagon again. I get testy, man. I get no, testy. It's fine. it's fine. I mean, it, I, I think it it makes sense. Um, I mean, hearing that base pay is seven hundred k, you definitely don't need to be borrowing money to pay your training yeah, camp. Are you buying Gucci suits now that you're in America? You know, I understand that man's grocery bill is probably like three times. Oh, yeah. But like, come on, dude. Come on. You're tra- you're in Las Vegas. He trains a team Couture. I'm sure they get a p- taste of his like. Uh, checks that he gets but like i i just like come on that's a that's a negotiation tactic and you just suck at it you're you're an amazing athlete and like i said you can take someone's head off my word like under uh, amazing but stop playing that game because you're fucking up your money yeah well while we're on that ufc topic um i believe it's on the undercard of the of covington usman too we have Rose Namajunas, Thug Rose, mm. and Weili Zhang, too. And um, how do you feel about the comments that have been made? Because there's quite a bit of an uproar of uh, basically Rose saying, I'd rather it be dead than red, which is kind of, uh, seems to be anti-communist or communism comments towards Weili, who Weili herself, I don't believe, is a communist, but being born and raised in China, obviously, is going to be a natural affiliation. Mm. I think that's another instance where Rose should focus on training. I, I don't think you have any business. I, so when I mentioned the game before, that's overstepping the boundaries of what's acceptable. Because mm. from my understanding, the real rub there is the term of red, referring to a race or something like that, that it's a very xenophobic term. Yes. Um, I think that's where, like, you should stick to training and stick to fighting and less talking for you for a while. If that's really how you feel, you need to not share that with the public because 
is no business, especially as someone that everybody has really rallied behind from her mental health and been very, um, you know, supportive. Yeah. And then for you to come back and say something like that about an opponent where, listen, you want to say, I'm going to box her tits off for the next five rounds and then I'm going to kick her in the teeth before she goes to sleep. I'll support that. Oh, shit. But let's not use hateful terms about an entire population. I I thought it was disgusting, man. And I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Rose. Me too. But... No, I, I agree um, because you can't base someone off like completely where they come from. Like individuals aren't just one thing, you know, we're complex, we're made of many different circumstances and like facets that like equate to our personality and just who we are. And I mean, I'm not the biggest Wei Lee fan, but from what I've seen, you know, she's never done anything wrong. She's like, she comes and fights in America and it's like, oh yeah, we need to make this place a communist country and merge with China and this, that, and the third. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just not that fighters and everyone should like express their opinions on like politics and whatnot, but I think politics should stay out of the actual sport. I just think there's rules, man. I think there's rules. You can say what you're going to do to that person within the confines of the unified rules of that those three five-minute rounds or those five five-minute rounds. I think where things get really gray, and it's happened a couple times with somebody that I'm, I think we're both huge fans of, especially of their earlier work, but is with Conor McGregor. I've seen it with his reference of Habib's wife. Mm. Um... Do you know that what what he had said? I don't know exactly. No, but so he uh, Habib had posted a picture of, on his wedding day with him and his wife, and Connor uh, tweeted like, "You married a Tao," because the people in his religion like are fully covered. Um, which like okay, so there's Just continuous L's for this dude. One that was like a long time ago, so out of bounds, right? Um. Connor had talked about Dustin's wife more recently. Yeah. So there's two world situations where I think that dude has stepped majorly out of bounds. They're, they're just the clearest ones. But you can say whatever you want or talk about somebody's skills. But anytime that you step over that line, no matter how much people love you, there's going to be a recoil of like, girl, you didn't have to say that. You Did you think you were clever saying that little racist remark? Like... What the fuck? Unnecessary. And I hope she learns from it because she Rose. That seems like a first for her. Yeah, definitely. Who do you have winning? Mm. I'm going Rose a second time. Mm. I think uh, that's a real good fight, man. I think Rose is real slick on the feet. I think she takes her. I think she beats Whiteley because Rose is also. I don't know how good. Way Lee's wrestling or even her anti-wrestling is to but I know Rose's jiu-jitsu is off the chain so Rose I see has more ways to win than Way Lee yeah agreed I also think um Way Lee's a little bit sloppy in the cage she's a powerhouse woman yeah. like she fucked me up easily oh yeah but she's a little sloppy I man I had a fr- I have a friend that we were working one time and we were talking about a Ronda Rousey fight it was coming up and I was like my man like that's amazing he was like I could kick her ass and I was like ah, okay. oh, bro okay how dare you 
how dare you does he also drive like a huge pickup truck and you know like have to compensate uh, he's a big guy he would i'm trying to size him up he's probably 63 260 he's he's a full he's a unit but i was trying to describe to him like bro the sh- like you it would be like you've never walked before in your life and you're saying you're going to you're going to fucking run a marathon it's just he he probably wouldn't even get a, a single hand on her well she it would be real quick either if she decided she wanted to clinch with him and he would be ass over 10 cups like before he and she would take the back of his neck and slam it into the ground as hard not only her weight, his but weight. that his weight as well. With gravity, yep. And we're talking about a fucking expert. It would literally be like UPMC showing up with a van right now and being like, Dave and Troy, listen, we need you right now. We need you down at the center. You need to do heart surgery oh, on no, this man right now. I'm game. I'd be like, what, what, what the fuck? We're gonna, I dude, got my scrubs in my backpack. Not even a chance. So it's it's funny you say that because yeah, Whaley would piece me up with no problems, but uh, I think she has a real struggle with Rose. Rose is very slick on the feet, her and she works with Trevor Whitman, who is next level, um, coaching. And I just think she pieces her up. I don't know if Whaley has learned enough between their last fight to bridge that gap, but hell of a fight I'm in, man. Um, speaking of different perspectives, what were your thoughts? I know you just started the Squid Games. Well. I'm only one episode in, so not much for me. But uh, I mean, it's it's super interesting. I I think it's uh, a great concept. You know, uh, Joy and I were talking last night about it. Um, it's a little cringy at times, just because like every single person has so little self-respect that they allowed themselves to get slapped in the face like twenty plus times before winning just a fraction of money. Um, but I don't it's a mind fuck, you know. I do think it speaks to like some carnal instincts, you know, within which within humans. Yeah, man, I, I think the whole story behind it too, shop like getting the person who wrote it sold it for like ten years and nobody yeah. wanted to touch it. So it just out the gate, like an inspiration of this story got out. But it's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory mixed with Blacklist. Or what's that? What's you mean Black Mirror? Yeah. <laughs> Black Mirror. Charlie Black and Mirror. the Chocolate Factory. That's interesting. Um, just as you work your way through it, that's what that's what I thought of as I watched the series. Um you're right, man. There's some dark moments there that make you feel some things. Um, I felt it was really well done visually. I thought it was amazingly produced, and it doesn't back down on that through the rest of the series. Good. Um, what can you give from the first episode? I have it kind of meshed together. It's all kind of melded together. I'd kind of like to talk about it, but I can't remember. Like, well, What do you mean by give? Information-wise. like, What are the points that you remember from that? It ended with the uh, the rice game, but what are some things out of the gate that stood rice out? Rice game. No, that first episode ends after our red light, green light. Okay. So, like, you see, uh, spoiler, you see that they, they make it through, the main character at least makes it through. 
by the skin of his teeth. So, starts out, these people get selected um, through getting a card, right? They get a, um, basically they're randomly, quote unquote, approached by a, a man um, who says, do you want to make money playing a game with me? They play the game, and the game is rigged in the moment where, they, oh yeah, if they win, they get a large sum of money or a decent sum. If they lose, they have to pay that. All of the people that get um, uh, requested for this game are in serious debt. I'm talking like millions. So when they lose and can't pay because the game is rigged, they he's like, you can pay with physical pain. So he slaps them. They go through this until they finally win. And then at the end of winning, they say, if you're interested in playing more games like this for money, give me a call. And about, I think the exact number is 456 people call and get taken to who knows where, some island, and the games begin. And they start playing different child games for their lives. Like the first one I said is Red Light, Green Light, which I'm just saying, if I was in that, I definitely think I would have made it. No, your hair would have had you out in the first round. Oh, you're right. Your hair probably moves like three seconds after you're done. Um, I think it was such so well done visually too. Yeah. Oh, the the color palettes for everything, (laughs) especially when they're first walking through. uh, I mean, it it looks like a maze, like of all those stairs. Oh, amazing! The pastels that play off of like the blankness. Oh, it's it's visually it's beautiful. The other thing I really liked about it, man, when I'm watching something, you know, I'm not a big movie person. Yeah. So if I give a lot of time. I want some level of believability. I felt like within the first three episodes, all of it believable. Try to get... Believable in what sense? In a way of like, yeah, this shit could happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely could. Especially when you see later on. Okay. As it plays out. But just give yourself... Because the second episode, straight up, I felt was the weakest. If you can get through the second episode, you're going to make it through the rest of the series. Give it the three. And I just feel like for me personally, if I'm going to watch something, I want something in my mind to be able to be like, yeah, all right, this shit, I'm in. Yeah, some form of realism. Yeah. And I mean, I'm me, really well done. To me, everything is real about it. It's just like, mm-hmm. a little spoiler again, like with the gas in the car, that's where like it was the first like, okay, this is a little bit far-fetched. And then obviously <laughs> having a giant statue that could just shoot you. Dude, I thought it. I thought it was just enough. Like I said, like Willy Wonka ask. Yeah, and and I I got that once you said it. Yeah, I and I it's just oh, it plays out so interestingly, and I'm not gonna drop any spoilers, folks. I think it's a really good um, series that Troy and I will touch base back on. Um, but if you have some time, hop over, um, give the Chappelle show. The Chappelle show. Yeah, go back and see some of those episodes for big funnies. Um, but check out his um, his last special, The Closer. It was an hour-ish. I didn't feel that it was his best work. And in, like I said, in my head, long term, he's just kind of fulfilling that obligation with Netflix. And he's going to drop some real heat, you know, once he gets the optics of an independent show. Something where we can drop 30 bucks in that dude's pocket to watch his special all around the world in high definition. Dave, holler at your boy. 
I don't know if I would want to be involved in a Dave Chappelle special. I think he would make fun of me. Oh, yeah, he would absolutely. <laughs> you're going to have to take some stuff, man. But uh, listen, guys, if you're stressed out or having problems with anxiety or just want to get a better night's sleep, head over to scheduleyourfloat.com and get yourself right with a 60 or 90-minute float. Um, it was really great sitting down, chopping it up about some recent events. Anything before we leave? Uh, I don't think so. Halloween's around the corner. It's going to get cold soon. Cherish these these last few warm days. Guys, also, if you have questions for us, head over to our levityfloatstudio.com slash floatcast and drop down to about a third of the way through. If you have a question for us or you're, something's going on in your life, you want some crazy, you know, objective advice from two dudes who are not that lose by telling you the truth, drop it there. Um, and really love all the listens there. You know, the numbers are rising. Guys are saying nice things. People are coming through the studio and saying they heard about Phil Seth and, you know, just really good. It's good to see it. We love you guys. Um, we're out of here. I want to relax, relax, put my mind at ease. Good friends and good vibes. Now that's all I need. When life hurts, come down and flow to levity. Let your problems wash away into serenity. Whoa.